All right, boys, we're back. Uh, it's been a while. It's been like a few weeks since we've recorded a podcast, and this is big because this is this is the first podcast solely dedicated to a UFC fight. And who better to have on that this pod than uh, our boy Aiden Lubin? And not just that, we got Andrew Asaro too. So I think this is we're already bound for a historic pod. I say that every time Lubin comes on. Now that we've got Andrew on, I mean, come on, forget about it. So how are we doing, guys? We've been itching to get on here for some time. I want to take the time to publicly express disrespect for both Tommaso Rares and Christian Lazowitz. Well, it's not Tommaso's. Tommaso's volleyball. That's not nope, on him. Doesn't matter. That's I not like to publicly express my disrespect for and discontent. Rosowitz is in trouble because Rosowitz was begging to be we in have a, a bone to pick with for a while. while. Yeah. Okay. You got to throw down with the Rosowitz. Yep. Did he even give notice? Uh, listen, mm-hmm. he left me on red on Snapchat, so that's already like a bad start. And then that's even yeah. worse. Listen, it's not it's not a good look. It's not a good optic. Uh, but we'll move past it because honestly, you know, all due respect, who needs them? We've got Aiden Loon and we've got yeah, Andrew yeah. Asar. Like, listen, listen, yeah. we were good. We got this cup. Let's get it. Um, so I think we're just gonna we're just gonna talk about the uh, the main card. Those uh, those five fights. Uh, in regards to UFC 261. Uh, so I'll leave this up to you, Lubin. How do you want to attack this? Do you want to go start big and small? Or do you want to start small and big? How are you feeling? I think we got to go bottom to top. You want to go bottom to top? Andrew, you with that bottom to top? Yeah, I'm liking that. All right. I can get down with that. Um, yeah. So the first fight, the the light heavyweight fight, Anthony Smith versus Jimmy Crute. Um I do have some questions on this, but do you just want to start with your your thoughts on the fight for both of you? Yeah, I mean, it was a good time. It was like the first main card fight with 15,000, like, sneezing Floridians watching, like, <laughs> just, like, infectious people in attendance. So, obviously, it had, like, really good atmosphere. I'm pretty sure it's, like, the first full, are- like, indoor arena in the United States since, like probably the last like Knicks or jazz game, you know, like in February or March, whenever it would be. So yeah, the atmosphere was definitely cool. And the fighters were definitely like taking it in on their walkout. Cause both of those guys had fought in the era where there were no fans. And of course, like it's a whole different thing. Like the heart rate the, is just way lower. Like there's way less adrenaline and you could kind of see, they both walked out to like whatever their music were. And they were kind of like soaking it all in watching like 15,000 people with them. And obviously it's like way more pressure, but it's definitely way more fun. And I'm sure you might bring it up, but the last time I was on here, we were talking about the nerve in the calf. The peroneal nerve, baby. I'm excited to talk. (laughs) Do you want me to wait? Do you want me to hold off? Hold off for a second. We can can get into the peroneal nerve. This is big stuff. We're diving into the peroneal nerve. This is my favorite. All right. Yeah. Good time. Yeah. I was excited for this fight off. Just because Anthony Smith, the veteran with over 50 uh, professional fights, uh, is going went against Jimmy Crew, um, who is a young guy, and probably Anthony Smith was the biggest name on his uh, resume as of right now. So it's just nice to see Jimmy Crew like on the main card for the first time yeah. uh, under the big lights. Yeah, dude. I mean, Anthony Crew's Anthony, not Anthony Crew. Anthony Smith has fought. Yeah, like Andrew said, I think like above 50 times. 
And the first one, like you hear this with a lot of guys, like the first couple, like the first 10, he probably didn't even know they were professional fights. He has this crazy story about being, like he was eating with his friends in a subway and they had like tickets on sale, like an advertisement for this like local MMA show. And he was planning to go. And then some way, somehow, one way or another, he ended up fighting on it professionally with no experience. And he says like, it was like this crazy rush of like adrenaline, fear and excitement that like he's been trying to match for the entire rest of his life and he's never been able to. So that's a super cool thing about him that he probably, he was fighting pro before he even knew he was fighting pro. That's wild. So it yeah. sounds like, it sounds like you guys are really excited about this matchup. Yeah, I was dude. Jimmy Crute's well, thick Australian kid, good guy, very likable. So was Anthony Smith. It was fun. Um, so I know I said I wanted to wait, but I can't. I have to talk about the pro and the nerve. Um, so Jimmy Crute was talking about it. And he said he couldn't feel his leg. And hey, where have you heard that before? Well, you listen to the last podcast. I'll give you a little little hint. We've been talking about it for a while. Um, so I guess like there was a little bit of controversy. They didn't let him come out for the second round. And he said like he was ready. He wanted to come out. He was talking about like, yeah, I had a limp, but you know, like fighters have come out with a limp before. And he said he was dominating even after he lost the feeling in his leg. Um, so I guess I'll ask you guys, you know, should they have stopped the fight? Do you think if he does come out for the second round, he's winning? Like what's, uh, what are you guys thinking there? I think you got to stop it just cause he's such a young guy. And like, what's one, like you got to protect him at that point. Cause he has like so much upside and yeah, I mean, it was a ton of numbness and he, but he was rolling his ankle a ton. Cause you mm. really just can't feel below your knee. And like, he didn't know he was rolling his ankle, but like what was just a little bit of nerve damage could have ended up being like a serious ankle injury. So rather than like a year and a half off, like he just needs to take a little bit of time to get like an x-ray and like get his nerve like back to normal. So I honestly think it was good. He definitely could have kept going, but yeah, I don't know what Andrew thinks. What do you, how do you, how do you feel? hundred percent agree with you. Oh uh, yeah. Still the first round, still got 10 other minutes of him possibly just wobbling around trying yeah. to wrestle him. And then, yeah, like you said earlier, just getting his leg a lot more injured and then he'll have to take a lot more time off yeah. uh, for his next fight. And Anthony Smith said it too. He was like, yeah, he probably could have came out for the second round, but he couldn't have taken like one or two more kicks. Cause Anthony Smith is like a really good kicker and he would have put it exactly on the nerve like two more times. And that would have been, that would have been really not good for Jimmy Crute. Dude, I love the pro nail nerve. It's so, it's just like awesome. To talk you gotta about. love it. Just it's the just ability so to shut something off. It wraps around like the entire shin and calf. It's just the coolest thing in the world. Um, but so, right, so you're telling me that basic, right? Like, cause I did read that, that he was rolling his ankle. It wasn't just that he lost the feeling in his nerve. It was, he was rolling the ankle and that's kind of why they stopped yeah. it. Is that what like everything below the knee just goes, we talked about that, but like everything, even yeah. including the shin, the feet, the heel, the ankle. It's, it's the craziest thing. It's like the most unusual sensation, I should say. So do you agree with his assessment, assessment that even after right, he started rolling his ankle, that he was dominating, that he was in a good spot there? How do you guys feel about I, – I mean, you know, he's talking about himself. Do you think he's giving himself a little bit more credit than he deserved? Yeah, well, he was strung out on adrenaline at the moment. Like I said, 15,000 in attendance. He was just I'll in a full-blown fist fight. But um, 
yeah, he, the goal for him was to go out and like wrestle and really get on top of Anthony Smith. And he didn't do it until his leg shut off. So he gets hit on this nerve and his foot starts like angling up, like his toes face his shin and he falls to the ground. Like, like what just happened, what just happened. And then only from there, he started wrestling. And of course he's a really good wrestler. So it was working out, but yeah, I mean, technically he was dominating. Like he looked the best of his fight. He looked the best in the fight after being like disabled and only having one leg. But I mean, he's right. If he went to the wrestling early without having to like panic and, you know, like get off of his legs, he probably would have won the fight. So I, I half agree with it. I half don't, you know. Um, all right. I guess I'm just going to say, because I don't know how much time we are going to spend on this final thoughts on this fight and, and in these two guys moving forward in MMA. Andrew. Uh, yeah, Jimmy Crew kind of reminds me of Sean O'Malley a little bit uh, with their mentality. They're both yeah. young guys who do anything uh, in their power to just get to the top like McGregor did. So to see Jimmy Crude, uh, uh injury was very heartbreaking. Um, but like Sean O'Malley, I feel like he'll bounce back and he'll, he'll have the best performance um, his next fight. That's a good assessment, yeah. I mean – for those who don't know, Sean O'Malley had the same thing happen to his leg. And he didn't even, I mean, obviously it counted as a loss, but he kept saying he was mentally undefeated. And now it's this whole meme. So yeah, he definitely has the drive. Like Andrew said, yeah, he'll be back. And Anthony Smith needs to step up in competition next. He deserves, he just fought two guys ranked below him. So he deserves someone ranked above him because he looks better than he ever has. Uh, yeah. All right, cool. I think let's move on to a, uh, another fight that involves, injuries and people maybe becoming disabled um and i gotta say like this is uh quite possibly my second favorite fight uh, in this card uh we're gonna get to the main fight it is i i really like that too but uh Uriah hall versus chris weidman um i know the backstory but i feel like there's no one better to paint the the backstory of this fight than aiden yeah why do you hit us with that? Yeah, Uriah Hall is a local guy. I know he's trained. He he's trained me. He's trained one kid. He's trained other kids in our class, and he's most definitely trained some graduates before. Really good guy uh, from the city, and he's fighting Chris Weidman, who's also from the city, but he's from Long Island. And um, back in the day, before they were even in the UFC, they were like the two biggest prospects in the world. And like they had to fight each other in the regional scene, I think in like Atlantic City or something in a random casino, which is really cool. And everybody was like, okay, how's Ryan Hall going to do against Chris Weidman's wrestling? Because Chris Weidman was an All American wrestler, hence the nickname All American. And Uriah Hall was so scared of the wrestling, he ended up getting hit with a punch. And this is ages ago. And he says, like, he said after this most recent fight that Chris Weidman was the man who taught him fear and introduced him to fear. And he said he didn't know what fear was before. And then he became scared of Chris Weidman. He was scared of wrestling. He was scared of MMA. And that's a really cool thing. So back in the, and then eventually Chris Weidman put some wins together and he's fighting Anderson Silva, who's like, some people say is the greatest fighter ever. And Anderson Silva is like pretty kick heavy attack. He's got a pretty kick heavy attack. And um, he throws a kick right at like the bottom, bottom of the leg near the calf of Chris Weidman. And Chris Weidman sticks his shin slash knee out and just turns Anderson Silva's leg into jello, like breaks right in that point. 
Like it was, it, it's hideous. Nobody, I mean, it gets easier to watch with time, but like the first time seeing it is absolutely disgusting. And yeah, that's called checking a kick. Mr. Pagnotta, our Dean of Students, that dude knows how to check a kick. I'll tell you that much. He's a, he's a, pretty, he's a pretty good Muay Thai fighter. And then fast forward to last weekend, the second time in UFC history this has happened. Chris Weidman got his leg broken. And back in the day, he won a fight by breaking somebody's leg like this. And it's not a thing you like try to do or a thing anybody even thinks about. It's just like, it was like a one in a billion. And who would have thought that it would have happened to the same guy who did it? Some people think karma's real because of it, such and such, but hey, amen. I, I just, yeah, I just want to say this. Like, if you ever want to see what a leg would look like if it was made out of rubber. You just got to watch. Yeah, you just got to watch yeah, that video. Wow. He turned the dude's shin, basically made his leg just look like, I just, I can't even. Jello, dude. Yeah, jello. Like jello. It's just like, the human body is not, not supposed cool. to bend like that, specifically at your shin. First of all, um, is that a uh, top 10 horrific injury just in all sports, by the way? Dude, it might be. Dude, it's. It's no, Kevin, it's no Kevin Ware. Kevin Ware is the worst injury in the history of anything ever. It's bad. Going back to like gladiators and like matadors, like bull running, doesn't matter. Like Kevin Ware is the most disgusting injury I've ever seen. Uh, Paul George and uh, the, I think it was um, Paul George and like the FIBA. He was playing, we were playing against, uh, it was the United States versus like Spain or something. Yeah, he went in for a dunk and got his leg break broken pretty bad. Alex Smith. Bad. Alex Smith is pretty bad. Alex this Smith in the conversation. To Alex Smith. Not too much, but yeah. I mean, it's just the shin. Think about how hard a shin is. And you have to wonder, like, was there like a micro, like a hairline fracture here? Like, there's no way. It just seems so it's, insane that a it bended a so easily. Can, so easily. Like, bro, the kick was hard, but it wasn't like it, it, it certainly wasn't the hardest kick I've ever seen, you know? And yet it hit a really hard object. But like MMA fighters train by kicking their legs into really hard objects. Like Another isn't like, especially with, with these guys, like isn't like the top of your foot basically from your shin. Like, isn't that supposed to be like really hard and not obviously not indestructible, but yeah, like no, it's, it's supposed to be rock hard. That's my party trick, my shins. <laughs> do whatever you want to my shins. But yeah, same with Mr. Pagnata. Again, he's like an almanac based type of stuff but yeah you're supposed to have like really conditioned shins you're supposed to be able to kick anything you want i i honestly wonder if there was an already like a break like a tiny tiny break there because you're right they dude it, it just broke badly so easily did you ever see uh tony ferguson's training two years <laughs> back where he's kicking the metal pipe as it yeah. broke and then a couple weeks later he's out of the fight Dude, we got to get Lou to include a soundbite of that. You don't even need the video. There's a, this one fighter was like, this is how I condition my shins. And you just hear him literally kick a pole, like a metal pole, <laughs> as hard as he can. He's like the strangest fighter to ever live. No blood. And like, obviously it works. He was very good. But Lou, if you can include just the soundbite of the shin hitting the pole... I would. I really urge you to do that and put it in the pod. I'll. I'll do what I can. Uh, I'll. I'll look into it. You are a master. Yeah, I got you. You are the second coming of Joe Rogan. <laughs> um, 
So, you know, what was I going to, I'm trying to think we got, got a little off track, but we're, we're going to stay on the injury yeah. um, for a little bit here. Shit. What did I want to ask? And dude, this is back-to-back leg injuries to open up the main card. So there's three fights left. These girls, these, these people are probably sitting in the locker room like, yo, I'm not throwing a kick, dude. Like, mm. no matter what, I'm getting injured right now. I remember Twitter was blowing up with all these fighters. Like, I'm never throwing a kick again. Like, blah, blah, blah. All right. So, so, yeah. so I just remembered. So I, I want to ask you guys, like, how much adrenaline do you think is coursing through Wyman's body? Because if you look at the video, honestly, like, it's not like pain, Rick, like coursing through his body. Like he almost looks surprised more than anything else. He just saying. stumbles backwards. He didn't look like a man that just completely broke his leg in a way that you yeah. just never see happen before. Oh, dude, it's a lot of adrenaline. And they say, like, I mean, obviously, there's like shock when you have a break like that. So I don't think he really felt it until like, like when you're in the back. That's the thing with like like face when your face is sore too. Like when you're mm-hmm. in a fight, you don't feel your face getting hit. But then like once you go back and there's like you're 15 minutes removed from like the fight atmosphere, that's when like things really start to set in. And you're right. Like he didn't look like he was like, ah, he might have let out one scream just from like falling unusually. And then he kind of looked like he was just in shame. Like he was just like, why has Dude, this happened? Dude, honestly, the scream might have been from just looking at his leg. Like sometimes you scream because yeah, you're yeah. just like, oh, like that's not that's not what's supposed to happen. Like it didn't look like because the thing with like it, I'll do the comparison to hitters getting hit with a fastball. Like when let's say a guy gets hit by the, the pinky, like they scream. Like that's why it's so hard to fake that because in yeah. when they when it no. really hits, like no. they scream like basically almost like right away. Like it it takes him like seconds to process it like he's really just like like what the hell happened there it was kind of wild and he de- uh, i mean he most certainly doesn't feel it on command because mm. he kicks and the leg breaks and mm. he pulls the leg back to regain like, to his he hands. tries to stand like, that's almost that's my that's he why he lost he tried to stand and you couldn't put any pressure on it he has a straight face and he doesn't even know his leg is mush right now and then once he stands again and has that awkward fall then he knows what's going on and the, the, I mean, like the craziest photo is Uriah Hall looking at his opponent, like what he just did to him. Like he's looking like, it looks like a horror movie. It's the craziest thing. That's that's a real one in a billion thing. And it's and he was on the receiving end and the giving end of it. It's it's crazy how everything works out. Final leg injury topic for this fight, um, because yeah, sure. it, it ties into the last fight. And Lubin posted this on his Instagram. Anthony Smith who, you know, just injured someone's leg, not that bad, just get, hit the peroneal nerve, as we yeah, like to say. Yeah, um, his reaction to Chris Wyman's leg break. Oh, I know, Lubin, you posted. So, what do you, I mean, just I thought there was a nice little connection there. Yeah, you said. Yeah, I mean, nobody wants to see that. And Uriah Hall is walking to the back with his coach, too. And his coach is like, hey, like, we don't celebrate this. Like, I mean, it, it goes down as a win. Like, he won the fight. He checked the kick. Obviously, it went a little south. But he was on the – he was the reason Chris Weidman couldn't continue. But he was like, yeah, we don't celebrate this. Like, we just move forward. Like, yeah, no, nobody wants that. Nobody wishes that on their worst enemy. Like, we just got to hope Chris Weidman's all right. The UFC's been taking care of him. They got them – they got him, like, a private jet back home. They – obviously took care of his surgery immediately and yeah we just everyone hopes chris wyman's all right he's a good dude yeah so we should say the surgery went well um i think everything was handled with class of course 
And uh, something interesting, I feel like uh, that was a first and only uh, strike in that fight. So I'm yeah. wondering if it's the first time in UFC history where someone has won without throwing a strike. That is a great question. Yeah. It has to be. Yeah. I got to check, check the stats. Crazy. Check the stats. Right, because the whole fight, I was looking at it online. It lasted 17 seconds. Oh, dude, yeah. the shortest. Dude, yeah, Hall, through, Hall has zeros all across the board. And I'm telling you, that's the shortest That's the shortest 17 seconds I've ever felt. Oh, it's that's zero. A, that's a good question. Is that the first? It is, dude. Zero knockdowns, no significant strikes, no significant strike accuracy, obviously. No total strikes, no takedowns, no knockdowns, no submission attempts. No ground control, just one significant strike from Chris Weidman of two attempted, and the significant strike was obviously the checked kick. Dude, that is crazy. crazy. Shout out to Andrew for bringing that up. That's insane. That's nuts. That's the reason Ryle is ninety nine leg strength in the UFC. Is he really? Yeah, ninety nine <laughs> leg crazy. strength and speed. Ridiculous. Crazy. Do they just update that? No, I think it's been on there for a while. No, they just got it right, dude. Daniel Cormier is the ratings guy. He, he got that right, bro. Yeah. Dude, oh, yeah. Crazy. Did you see um Uriah Hall's uh, in the Ultimate Fighter, his okay. knockout? Oh, that's that's crazy. That's like a – bro, you could do a whole podcast about what he did on the Ultimate Fighter, but we got we to gotta move forward. We got to move on to the – to the titles but yeah that, that was well, great. yeah we will move on and this is a weird final recap in this fight because uh you know for every single fight i think we usually when we cover everything we like to do like a little uh, how do we feel about both these fighters moving on and it's weird because for wyman it's not about his next matchup it's about is he going to be fighting again and, and what's that going to look like yeah dude i mean i mean it doesn't look good and obviously he did it to anderson silva and anderson silva he ended up coming back quicker than people. They, they, I mean, the doctors told him you're never fighting again, hmm. but he came back a little quicker than expected given there was less rigorous drug testing back in the day. You get a little, you get away with a little bit of this, a little bit of that. So of course. I don't know what the, I don't know what's going to, I don't know what the deal is with Chris Weidman. I don't know. I mean, he's been champion before he had that hunger back in him, but to like get that hunger back in you and diet work so hard for 15 weeks and then have that happen, dude, it's tough to, it's tough to get that drive back. You kind of just, you have to hate the sport after that. And like, here's the other thing, right? Like you're a fight, like when you're in, in the ring, I imagine like, you know, I guess you could fight with fear, but like, you can't fight with like the fear that anytime you give a kick that your leg's going to break. Right. Like, yeah, you, I can't, you can't fight yeah, like yeah. pulling kicks. Right. You can fight. You, you should and can fight with fear, but you can't fight with apprehensive. You can't fight. Yeah. Apprehensively. Like that's what I mean. Yeah. Like you can't second guess. Obviously fear is central to fighting. You know, like none of this would be a thing. Fear wasn't a thing and fear wasn't involved in it. That's a great point. But yeah, you can't, you can't second guess. So dude, I mean, we got to see, he needs some real like live sparring rounds in a, like a year and a half, probably like really test his metal, like really see if he wants to do this again, like simulate a fight as much as possible. And then dude, I don't know. I mean, you couldn't pay me to throw another kick after doing that, but. And then, like, I, think, I think he's going to come back. I mean, he's lost like, He's only won two out of his last eight fights. Dude. And like most of them have been like mid-level guys. But I mean at the beginning it was like Luke Rockhold and Yoel Romero when he was a champion. But um Yeah. I mean he but, does walk out to won't back down by Tom Petty, so 
and see if he can bat it. He that is his lockout song. We'll see. Love but I it. feel like he might come back uh, to fight just like prospects and stuff. No big names though. Just to prospects get people into <laughs> Dude, if he's coming back, I want it to be like a real like a real like Chris Weidman like going away party. Like if he has to fight like a twenty seven year old stud, mm. that would not be good. He would not that would not go his way. All right. Can you even evaluate Hall on this fight? I, he didn't he didn't give a strike. Like, how do you even evaluate? I mean, he's fight? got a he's got a darn good uh, check of a kick. I mean, he knows how to check a kick. <laughs> but um, no, I mean, you you kind of can't. I on, I had him winning the matchup. It was I'm pretty sure it was a pick'em. But yeah, I mean, we got to see with Uriah Hall. He moved his gym. He's not a New York guy anymore, uh, which is pretty sad. But we have to we have to see. I think he's in a better place than he used to be. I th- honestly I think he's a better fighter than he was like two years ago, but I mean can't can't do much with, with that that 17 seconds, you know. All right, let's move on to the uh the women flyweight Ugh, Valentino. I'm gonna try and get this name right. Shevchenko. Beautiful. Yeah. Let's go, baby. Versus Jessica Andrade. <laughs> Overall thoughts on the fight. Uh, domination. Yeah. Domination. Whatever she oh, wants, yeah. she gets. She She's wants to put it. her fight, her opponent on the floor. She does that. I mean, she has to be the best female fighter ever. I say it. I think she is. So oh, they're. Oh. I mean, Valentina Shevchenko grew up like fighting Muay Thai, which is like kickboxing pretty much. And there's videos of her in her 20s or like her. She was like 18, early 20s, like fighting men, like like in like having professional fights against men. And of course, like doing incredibly well, like she's just, but you don't get like, you don't get these like really like husky, burly, like just stronger than every lady around vibes. Like she's just such a technician. You know what I mean? She's so good. So yeah, I mean, she's uh, in her last like five fights, she's been like above minus a thousand favorite. And like, she deserves it. Like she does not lose rounds. She doesn't lose minutes. She doesn't lose exchanges. And this time she was only minus 400 and everyone's like weird. And then people are starting to come along. They're like, I think Jessica Andrade might take this. Jessica Andrade, you know, this and that. Cause she's like this really strong girl. And they're like, okay, maybe Andrade can give her something she doesn't like. Maybe like take her down, put her on the ground. And Valentina comes out and does what they thought Andrade could have done. And Shevchenko just starts like ragdolling her. She gets a hold of her like body, just starts like picking her up, throwing her like back and forth it was i mean the crowd was appreciating it and how couldn't you and then she finishes her on the ground which is where they thought andrage had her only chance and then valentina gets up and she does this thing and she like looks at the crowd with like her arms open like are you serious like her like you you're putting me in with her and you think she's gonna beat me like i don't know she deserves some respect on her name as the as the young people say yeah she looked like Khabib. uh Seven out of seven with the takedowns. Yeah, she was looking like Valentina and her back of off. <laughs> I just had to bring up something that you said earlier that she's the most dominant fighter, female fighter. I have to say I think that's Amanda Nunez right now. I just think Amanda Nunez is larger. I think I they're the look- same size. I did not know that they fought um they fought in two thousand seventeen and sixteen together. Yeah, they did. I thought Valentina won the second even with being so much smaller. I mean, for those who don't know Amanda Nunes, you got to look her up. She's like, I mean, they, they call her the goat, obviously. 
she just beats everybody she fights and she's like she's really really strong and people don't understand like the strength advantage that she has over these girls like she fights at 145 pounds and like Shevchenko is like normal size for 125 pounds and people expect like Valentina to go up and fight her and like make it even but I don't know I feel like there has to be a way to tell who's better without them having to fight each other because it's really just like not that fair but yeah dude I don't know that that'll be an argument that goes on forever unless they do it again which is most likely the fight to make I mean, yes. I feel like if anything, Valentina might be just because they, they didn't they have to make was Amanda Nunez the one they had to make the new weight class for her just because of like yeah. how hard her weight her weight cuts were and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, her. And now there's nobody left in that weight class. It's her and two other girls, uh, Felicia Spencer and Megan Anderson, and she just beat them both. And I think they're both getting released. So I think she's literally so good to the point she erased an entire division of uh, fighters. Created one and then erased one. Yeah. yeah. That's how you know. They can put you into this world. They can take you out of it. <laughs> uh, I want to get into this quote from Andrade. And when I get to it, I am going to paraphrase it. Uh, but basically, they were talking about how like she expected uh, Shevchenko to come in striking because grappling was her weakness. And she basically said that like they trained protect against the strike every single day yeah and then she said chevchenko just came out and and wrestled with me the whole time and just she thinks oh she just did that because she couldn't because she wanted to shut me up and prove me wrong you guys fully believe that dude i don't doubt it i do not doubt it i literally think that might be the case i think and then i think i think valentina gets on the mic and says like have fun trying to find my like weaknesses like what are you talking like i'm not i have no weaknesses you know what i mean I, but dude, it, it really could be true. I mean, bro, like she she embarrassed her in a in a grappling match. Like it would have it it would have been dangerous if they were striking for the amount of time that they were wrestling. Like Valentina Shevchenko is a dangerous lady. I think that might I think I think she might have been right about that. I mean, just like her and most other champions, they get better and better every single fight. And yeah, we saw 90 total strikes, 93%, and triple the amount of significant strikes yes. than her opponent. So, and there's really nobody left for her to fight anymore. Like her division is cleared out. There are journalists genuinely questioning whether she should fight two challengers in the same night. And I don't hate that idea. Really? Like have to fight early on the card, give her two hours of rest, rehydrate, fight again. So yeah, like, what's, like, the future for Shevchenko now? Like, that's... What I mean, it's so tough because she's in, like, a... She kind of... She didn't create the division, but, like, the division's quite new, and she just took it over, and now it's just hers. I mean, like, nobody's taking it from her. So I guess she just keeps clearing it out, clearing it out. I mean, maybe do fights with other champions. Like, dude, I don't know. They might have to throw her in with a... They might have to put her in a male division. I don't know. She's she's a, she's a problem. She has a real problem. Maybe an open weight fight with Nunez. Yeah, an open weight. Yeah, she's got to know. meet halfway with another. Yeah, it, it, Andrew's right. She has to meet halfway with some other champion. Like, there's just there's just no like. There's a point, and of course, like media members always like say like, okay, like let's not say she's beat everybody. Like, there's this girl. There's this girl. Like, she's got to get through her. And some media members will be like, there's this, the, I mean, I guess the number one contender right now is named Lauren Murphy. People are like, all right, like, let's let her get past Lauren Murphy. And people are like, dude, like, 
it shouldn't be fighting Warren Murphy. Like <laughs> that's, 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 that's got danger written all over it. And that's honestly what's become. And it's not even like it's disrespect to Warren Murphy or any other contender. It's just like people know that it's dangerous to put anybody in the cage with Valentina Shevchenko. It's crazy. And, and then for Andrade, um, you know, I look at this main card and I said, this is one of the two fights that actually went to the second round. You know, does she get some respect in her name just for sticking with Valentina? And, you know, even though she yeah. lost, she handled it uh, with class after the fact. Like, is she still, does her name drop that much? Or is this like, oh, you know, like you hung in there? No, nah, yeah. Because really, she kind of did get dominated, but I mean, it's Valentina. But still, I mean, like, and she didn't even get like, she didn't even get like finished to the point where she was like, like put out or anything or submitted. She was just in a point where she like couldn't make an intelligent move and the ref was like, I have to stop this. You know what I mean? Like she just couldn't advance the position. But yeah, I mean, she definitely deserves, deserves respect for hanging in for as long as she did. I actually thought she was going to go 25 minutes, but dude, I mean, eight minutes of Valentina Shevchenko, you deserve a medal for that. You deserve a belt for doing that. You're right. All yeah, right. Deserve respect considering that uh, her other recent losses were from also the top uh, female yeah. UFC fighters, Rosa Lama Yunus. How do you pronounce Zhang? Sean Oh, Weili Zhang. Yeah. And Joanna. Yeah. So. We'll cover that fight in just a second, I bet. I assume. Yeah, Lubin, you're absolutely right. Let's go to the, uh, the co main of this card. And it's, uh, how am I saying this? Weili Zhang? How is that pronounced? Yeah, Weili Zhang. Weili Zhang. Uh, versus Rose Namajunas. Yeah. Mm. All right. Yeah. Uh, and this is one. Well, let's talk, let's talk about the thing that everyone seems to be talking about. There's a little kick to the head here that people seem to be uh, discussing. Am I right? Dude, that was how it ended. That was the, I mean, I, I swear, it's like these things that aren't possible without fifteen thousand people in attendance. Like these, these, like that leg break doesn't happen. Like this doesn't happen. It just feels like these things aren't possible without a crowd going nuts behind them. And it was, I mean, I had to be the craziest moment on the card. Like Zhang Wei Li is like, I mean, she's obviously one hundred fifteen pounds, but she's muscular, like so strong, and like. She's, she's not like a master at one specific thing. She's great at everything. And like, she won't go anywhere. Like you're going to do everything you can for 15 minutes. And then when you start getting tired, like she's still Zhang Weili. She's still fresh. Like she's just a dog. She drowns these people. And most people expected that her to do that with Rose. People are like, I mean, Zhang can't lose. There's no way Zhang's getting finished. And then Rose will get tired and Zhang is just going to drown her. But dude, I mean, she... I got to let Andrew speak about what, what went down before I do it. Cause I swear you could write a book on what happened. Yeah, that was, it was all the things that were pointing, uh, Wiley. Cause, uh, that was only her second loss. Yeah. Her first one being her first professional fight. So yeah. she definitely had the upper hand coming into it. Yeah. And Rosanama Unes beating Andrade. Um, she didn't really have any big, any big wins uh, since losing the belt. So, yeah. I yeah. Mean, just, and just that, that lead, uh, when the lead kicked, 
are thrown. Those are like one of the most beautiful things ever in MMA, just because it's yeah. so swift, and you don't even realize that they're they're going for the lead kick. Yeah, I mean it was, it was perfect. Like, yeah, I mean Zhang Wei Li, obviously she had never even been like knocked down, let alone out. And yeah, Andrew said her first loss was in her first pro fight, which is like eternities ago. So this is pretty much like her first real loss. Like this is the first thing she can really learn from. Like losing in your first pro fight is like okay, you probably weren't ready, got a little unlucky, like whatever. But like this is like her first real loss. So yeah, Andrew Andrew said it best. Like. They're playing the leg kick game for a while. And, like, you don't really want to play that with Zhang Wei Li because, obviously, she hits way harder. And I think Zhang Wei, Zhang Wei Li threw four, and Rose's, like, leg was already, like, bruised up badly, like, 15 seconds later. And, um, yeah, Rose is doing her thing with the leg kicks, and she fakes a little leg kick, like the smallest little pretend movement, and Zhang Wei Li pulls her legs back, leaves her, like, the the slightest angle for of her head open, and... Rose just creeps her, creeps her lead foot up to the chin of Zhang Wei Li and puts her down. Zhang Wei Li gets finished and she doesn't really know what happened. That's that's really what goes down. Like you don't see what hits you. It's like a like a, a little block of time when you're out. Like you don't remember what happened. And Zhang Wei Li got up and she's like, "What? There's no way I got knocked out." You know what I mean? Like she's she's screaming at the refs. Like, what do you mean? Like I can continue? But dude, she was out. Like she was out out. Rosanami Yunus is just the goat. Yeah, you know it was a good fight when uh, all the strikes that were thrown were significant strikes. Is that the case? Yeah, five yeah. Uh, for Rose and seven for Whaley. Oh yeah, Zhang's not throwing anything to mess around. She's not trying to touch you or anything. She's not trying to like tickle you. Like you're gonna you're gonna get hurt with everything she throws. It's true. Now, because of uh, the the quick nature of this fight, it was basically over a minute and 18 seconds, uh, there were immediate talks of a rematch between these two. And it seemed like the league was endorsing it. What do you guys, like both fighters seem to talk about this. It's tough to say. It's tough to say. I mean, like if they would have went 25 minutes and Zhang was on the end of a bad decision or if, even if Zhang lost a three to two decision or a clear four to one like you can argue for a rematch but dude like like one like real one real strike to the head one minute in i don't know if you can make the claim for an immediate rematch then again i don't know who would be next but dude i, I mean it's it's tough and i i'm zhang is very young she's only really been in the organization for like two or three years so like, there's no doubt a belt is in her future again. It might even be against Rose Namajunas again in a rematch. I still like Zhang's chances. I think she got caught up. She got clipped, like, got super unlucky. I mean, Rose was definitely better on the night. But, like, I still would like Zhang Weili in a rematch to get her hand raised. Like, there's no doubt she has a belt again in her future. But I don't, I'm not sure if the UFC is going to give her another shot, like, immediately like they did. I 100% think they're going to give her another shot just because – of how dominant she's been, considering that this is her first loss. So I, I, th- I would think that, I mean, even though the the fight didn't turn out um, how most people thought it would be as it ended so early, uh, yeah. I don't think we didn't really see, other than that one light kick, there was nothing too dominating that, that Rose was doing in that fight. How do you think so it I goes like, again? I feel like I just, I feel like she definitely deserves 
a, a rematch more than Masvidal did his rematch. Do you? Oh no, he he doesn't deserve nothing. We'll we'll get into that. Yeah. That that was malarkey. But do you? How do you think Rose and John would go if they did it again? Ah, uh, I think Rose is gonna come out um a little more aggressive. I think Zhang's gonna be a little more like reserved. Uh, and then we'll start like the to see the the fight build up as the rounds go. And I think I think it might end in like the third or fourth round, definitely by a TKO. I think. Who Rose? I think so. I think so. I think Rose wow. has the best. I think she has the best striking. Um. She reminds me of Cody Garnbrand a lot. She's uh, one of the best yeah. boxers in the bantamweight division. Yeah, yeah, so just yeah. her like swagger. I yeah. don't think I think she's gonna go on a run after this. Yeah, and I mean if I mean if if they make the rematch, no one's complaining. You know what I mean? Like people, they'll they'll get people in the seats for that for that rematch. Like that, you whether you want to see it or you don't, everyone's gonna watch it. Same with Conor McGregor, whoever he's fighting, you're gonna watch. So, yeah, I'm down for it. All right, final thoughts about both these fighters moving forward. Oh, I mean, Rose is the, the GOAT of this division. She has to be. She beat who, who, who else, like, if there was any lady who would be the GOAT, it's Joanna, and Rose beat her twice, finished her once. Rose is the only female to ever win, lose, and win the belt again in her, in their division. And, dude, I don't know, man. She's... She's a fan favorite. I mean, she like wears a lot of her emotions on her sleeve. She has like really, really bad anxiety. She has some demons. She had a really tough childhood. And like, she's, she's like a real fan favorite. Cause like everybody can, she's superhuman. Everybody can relate to it. So, I mean, dude, her star power is at an all time high at this moment. And then Zhang Weili, I mean, she's still a freak. She's going to be champion again, just in a matter of time. Yeah. Yeah. Rose has like one of the most fun personalities, uh, in MMA, just here hanging around with all the other UFC stars and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, did you? I just want. Did you see the picture of her like in the Ultimate Fighter when she had long, longer hair? I was just about to bring it up, <laughs> bro. That's the craziest thing we have to bring up about Rose. Like, she's a beautiful. She's like a very beautiful woman, and she got into the UFC, and people were like talking about her as if she was like, like this really beautiful fighter, really beautiful, and she wanted to be known for her fighting and not her looks. And she just shaved her head. So she's been rocking a buzz cut ever since. Yeah. So cool. Right. I was like, who's this like little guy. And then I just see some yeah, picture yeah. of her with the long hair. And oh, then yeah. I have instant respect. Like she's probably my favorite female fighter. Yeah. She's everybody like, cut her hair for the sport. Everybody loves her. But yeah, I mean, shaving your head because you're too good, too good looking. That's a, that's a pretty gangster move, <laughs> if you ask me. Yeah, you should definitely look it up. Oh, well. All right. So, I mean, this is this is the one we've been just waiting, itching to get to. Dude. It's it's the it's the main event, man. The matchup. Usman versus Masvidal. Usman comes away with the victory, but um I, I think there's a lot of buildup that goes into this. I think there's a lot that happens after. I don't know if Lubin and Andrew, if you guys want to take that. I know you guys are more equipped than I am to handle that. What? Just like, everything about the fight. Cause I think we should go a little more in depth. This is the main card there's, yeah. I have a lot of questions, but just, you know, overall let's set the scene guys. How about that? Yeah. I mean, I just, I'll say one thing. I think if uh game bread 
took put a little more focus into training for the fight uh other than and not entertaining the Jake Paul fight, I think he would have had a better chance of winning. Uh, oh, uh, no. Because I saw him with Jake Paul and Ben Askren a lot more than I uh, heard about his upcoming fight with Usman. Uh, you didn't bring him up on the MMA podcast. You did not do it. <laughs> We're going to pretend that didn't happen. <laughs> Which one? The, the former or the, the latter one? Dad, the bad one. Uh, AJ. Um, okay. I'm not saying his name, dude. AJ? The YouTuber. You know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a crime to say his name in the MMA. Dude, it was funny. I saw He Who Shall Not Be Named. In an article, I looked up UFC 2C1. I was looking through the news. I saw an article. And I was like, ooh. Just, I'm just going to steer clear. Because I knew it's like, it's going to uh, drag uh, it down. I mean, it's, it's like there's no need to go there. <laughs> he was a huge part of the card, though. I know. Like, in between the Smith and Crute fight, and then, for some reason, while Weidman's sitting on the floor in pain, they're screaming, F.J. Paul, F.J. Paul, F.J. Paul. And Daniel Cormier, the announcer, who's like, I mean, like, he's an announcer. He's a, prof- he's a professional. He's at his job. But, like, he's, he's, he, was, he was a tough kid growing up, and he caught a glimpse of Jake Paul, like, in the, in the crowd. And he asked his producer, like, do I have two minutes? Like, like when am I free? And – the producer was like, no, nah, like you, I need you to sit. Like you gotta be, you gotta be doing work for a little bit. And he goes, Hey, like I, I need two minutes. And he takes off his jacket and he takes off his headset and walks over to Jake Paul and his bodyguards. And he's like, and he's, he's a heavyweight champ. Like he, he might be the, he's one of the best heavyweights to ever live. Like this dude's got a belly. He's like fully 280 pounds. Oh, and he's in Jake Paul's face doing an upward finger wag as if he's like, if that ball ends up on my lawn one more time, son, I swear. <laughs> and he's screaming at him. He's like, keep your name out of my mouth. Keep your name out of my mouth. And Jake Paul's like, you said my name first. And of course, Jake Paul's terrified because like this absolute freak is in front of him. Like he could tear him limb from limb. He got up from his job as announcer and went over and just like <laughs> confronted this little YouTuber. And then Jake Paul's bodyguards, obviously large men, or like, hey, don't put your finger in his face. To the heavyweight champion of the world. He's like, what are you going to do? Fight me? Like, what do you mean? <laughs> I mean, that was the craziest thing. We had to bring that up before we talked about Usman versus Masvidal. It had, it had to happen. Yeah, sorry. Oh, oh, another thing. Just want to bring up real quick. The, the Nick Diaz appearance, too. Yeah, dude, he I was, was happy there. to see him in the house there. Definitely don't like the amount of damage that man's taking to the head. But you, if he's fighting, I'm watching. That's all I'll say. All right, we got all right. We got a breakdown. Right. Well, you got Lubin. Hit us with it. Yeah, back in the day, back in July, uh, Usman was supposed to fight his former teammate, my favorite fighter, Gilbert Burns, and um, Gilbert Burns got COVID a week out from the fight. Because I mean, Masvidal deserved the shot way back in July, but they weren't paying him right. He he became a pretty big draw. Like people people were watching him when he fought. He wanted the money, and they couldn't get it done. So they gave the shot to Gilbert Burns. All of a sudden, Gilbert Burns gets COVID a week before. They need someone to fly to the Middle East to keep this fight to keep this fight card alive. They call Jorge Masvidal, and now they got to pay him. So he's like, "All right, good." So they get the money sorted out. Jorge's on on six days' notice, flies across the planet, and um, goes to Abu Dhabi. He cuts twenty pounds of water in six days and fights Kamaru Usman, which is supposed to be this huge fight. Like it was supposed to be this massive occasion. And it was supposed to be done the right way. Instead, it's with no fans in the desert at 4 a.m. And 
Masvidal doesn't even have a training camp and Usman just disposes of him. I think he was, I think he won like 50, 45, which is every round, like he won every round, but just like Masvidal was no match. And immediately he's talking to the president. He's like, bro, you gave me six days. Like, give me six weeks, give me 12 weeks. Like I'll, I will finish this man. So we fast forward. Usman takes the fight against Gilbert Burns. My guy finishes him brutally. I was in immense pain for a while. And then he gets on the microphone and he's like, you know what? Like he calls out Jorge Masvidal again. He goes, he only took the last fight because he had a built-in excuse. And I don't know if that's the case, but he definitely did have a built-in excuse that, you know what I mean? Like, oh, if you win, you win. If you lose, you just say you're on six days notice, which is the truth. So he takes the fight again, gives Masvidal 12 weeks to train, which is like an awesome training camp, like full training camp. You get the body in shape, like you get the weight down, that weight cut's not going to be bad. And they do it again, and people are starting to give Masvidal more of a chance. And I'm like, dude, like, you're giving Usman more of a chance too. And Usman is this Olympic reserve wrestler, like a freak wrestler. Like, he's just this stacked, like, got this crazy upper body, crazy strong. He can fight for an hour with no break if he wanted to. And he goes out, and they do their, they're in the middle of this rematch. And of course, Masvidal is spending more time focusing on what the takedown threat is like, when's Usman going to shoot, how to defend when Usman goes for the takedown and he doesn't even pay attention. And he gets caught by a, an absolute piston right hand from Usman and gets knocked out first time in his career, 50 professional fights, never been knocked out. And it was done by a wrestler. Kamara Usman still the champ. I feel like I saw, I saw him like spin around kind of after he got punched or something. Oh, I mean, he was out. He was out of it, that instant. The second the punch landed, he he was completely unconscious. So I've let's never- let's talk about this real quick. So uh, there's a backstory to something where Masvidal, I forget who he's fighting, right? But he knocks someone out oh. and then throws a little extra punches in there, and that's where the um the hashtag super necessary thing started because they asked him about it, and he was like, "Oh yeah," and then. After this fight, I think one of my favorite things, you know, yeah. they asked Usman about it, and he goes, "Oh yeah, those those extra punches were yeah, were super yeah. necessary." Um, so two things, I love that. I love that he's using that, and then I love. I have a quote directly from Masvidal. I'm gonna quote him. I think it says, uh, "He's talking about me." He, he goes, "Obviously, it's done on me, but I love it. That's why I love the sport." I thought that response echoed kind of, uh, I think Aiden, you'll appreciate this, like Trevor Bauer, after he lets up the home run to Tatis, Tatis covers the eye, right? And Bauer's like, of course, listen, man, hard sport. You you get to celebrate. It is what it is. So I thought I loved everything about that whole exchange. Yeah, I mean, it's fantastic. Apparently super necessary is like a Miami term. I I think that's the case. And of course, yeah, Jorge's, he's like, he's Miami personified, right? And yeah, that, that that is very funny. And Usman's like a he's like a gamesman like that. Like if they ask him if he wants to fight a fighter he doesn't like, he'll go like who? Who? Like who are you talking about? As if he doesn't know, but like obviously he's thinking about him every day. Like he's funny <laughs> like that. And yeah, that was cool. You're right that Jorge was a really good sport about it. I mean, his nickname is Game Bread. He's got it tatted on his neck. It means literally like born bread to fight, like game. Like, you know what I mean? And it fits, man. He used to be a street fighter back in the day. Like there are videos of him. I'm pretty sure everybody knows the name Kimbo Slice, who was like the main guy from Miami. He led all the street fights. And yeah, Jorge used to make money as like a teenager, like 
literally bare knuckle fighting in the backyard in backyards of Miami and 50 pro fights in he's headlining a card like win or lose like he should be happy with where he's become like what he's become like nobody would have ever expected him in a title shot like he went he would win some fights he would lose half of his fights like he would get really unlucky sometimes but he just couldn't piece things together and then he went on this like retreat like he, he went on like a almost like like a survival show like american ninja warrior except in cuba and he had like a couple months no phone just like in the in the fall in the rainforest or something and it just like he started taking his career seriously after that he like stopped eating mcdonald's like he started really training hard and put these three wins together and then all of a sudden he's like not this like 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 guy who's like wins half his fights when loses half his fights like he's this this serious guy so he should be proud of what he's become and yeah did you see his on sports center his mcdonald's cheat meal it's crazy dude it's not good he i mean he would do that in training camp he he, he bro he would eat mcdonald's because he was i mean he was broke back in the day he really really didn't make a lot of money and he half enjoyed it and half it was all he could pay for but yeah he was a he was a killer he, he would he would eat a lot of mcdonald's back in his day and i bet he's doing it right now was it just me, or did he look like his physique looked kind of better? He looked a little more muscular, a little slimmer. Who? On his weigh-ins, Masvidal. Oh, well, definitely. Both of them, obviously, but Masvidal, I saw a little more yeah. so this time. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like, the 12 weeks of uh, camp definitely didn't hurt. You know what I mean? But, yeah, I mean, Usman's just too good, man. Like. Yeah, I got to say I think GSP is a go, but the way Usman's going, I think Usman's going to be a Yeah, go. he will. I agree. You just look I at mean, his resume. He's plowing through that division. All the top he's like, fighters. He's finishing out. these guys. Like Jorge Masbrol, I, I I made lists putting him at like in and amongst like the best strikers on the planet Earth. And Kamaru's out here like finishing him on the feet. Like it's just – it's unreal to see his development like – he, he wasn't a fan favorite before, but he's becoming one now. Like, I can't help but be cool with him at this point. Like, he's just he's just doing it all, honestly. He, he probably will be the GOAT. You're right. So, I, I want to, you know, let's dive into something that Andrew said. Um, so, when we talk about Usman, if I'm seeing this right, 14-0 in UFC and 19-1 and overall now in MMA, yeah. uh, which is crazy. Uh, and uh, I saw an article, I'm going to talk about this guy a little later, but, uh, you know, Jed Meshu of MMAfighting.com, who I'm beginning to, uh, to really dig for some content when I need him. Um, uh, he said that, you know, Usman is now in the conversation for the, the second greatest welterweight ever. Like, yeah. I think he said GCP 100% ahead of him. And then he said it's a, it's a conversation between him and Matt Hughes. So... Oh, I think he dominated. I think he's. I think so, he's like, the thing that Meshu said, he's like, no one's debating that Usman would beat Matt Hughes at any point in Hughes's career. I think they just said any that. Point. The, the, any point. Like, literally any point. Uh, they just said that the career of Hughes has to be factored in. But Meshu didn't rule out that Usman could be the second. Yeah, like, yeah. he said, like, it's 100% in the conversation. Yes. Yeah, I mean, the whole, like, go arguments so odd because like the thing about UFC like like they're the best athlete look at like the big four sports who's the best athlete of all time most likely LeBron James like you could put that guy in any league and he would excel but then 
like the most accomplished athlete of all time, I guess you got to give that to Tom Brady. In MMA, they kind of mesh the two and it's mm-hmm. weird. Like it's a weird thing. Like to be the greatest, people expect you to win the title and defend it over and over and over. And George St. Pierre has pretty much done that like a like a Tom Brady. You know what I mean? Tom yeah. Brady's won the I think he's won the Super Bowl like six times or something stupid. It might be seven now. Is it seven? Is it seven? For I I, I, I lose track. Yeah, I think it's it seven now for Brady, all right? Dude, that's bad. But yeah, I mean, people kind of factor like yeah, he's won seven. That's really horrible. Um, they factor in like accomplishments in with like like pure skill. And I don't think they should. I think like the best fighter, the best fighter of all time is Khabib. I think he would be any fighter at any point in their career if they were all in the same weight. But then people are like, no, he, he didn't do enough. He didn't win enough. He didn't defend his title enough, which is like this unusual thing. So, I mean, yeah, I understand that guy Jed giving Matt Hughes some respect, but like we got to look at the guys he was fighting back then, like real janitors like oh yeah he he definitely mentioned he's like the competition matthews played it's like we gotta like, put that it's a little suspect like <laughs> these guys were just i mean matthews was a killer he was a really good wrestler but these guys were taking pure like anabolic steroids no cardio steroid like they were just getting juiced they would have like two minutes of fight and then they were just sucking wind for the rest like these guys are really low level and like dude usman's beaten like like, if you look at how MMA has evolved, Usman is beating, like, these freaks of nature, and he's, like, beating them easily. I've, I, I mean, I think he's above Matt Hughes for sure, and I think you can make the case he will be above George St. Pierre in the future. Yeah, because for me, I, my biggest thing is, like, the title fences. Was, yeah, yeah, yeah. If he has the most or second most. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and just the fact that the people that he he lost to, it's only two or three people. He beat them. Uh, yeah, that is. Awesome. That, so. Yeah, that's, his that's career strength. like. I'm undefeated. Yeah, he completely validated his legacy by doing that. That's a beast move. Yeah. All right, so I'm gonna ask some bigger questions in a little bit, but I do want to get your final thoughts on both the both Masvidal and Usman. What do their futures look like? Uh. Masvidal's lost a little bit of the star power for sure. And he was doing this thing where like he would go back and forth with these fighters and be like, haha, like they're so mad because the, the ball's in my court. I'm going to fight these guys whenever I want to. Like I hold all the power. Two losses later, he doesn't hold as much power as he did. So I mean, I yeah, he, he went after Usman. He called him like a coward. He was like, I'm going to show him. And that, that doesn't look good anymore. He said, he kept saying in the media that Usman didn't hit hard at all. But yeah, I mean, Masvidal's got to step up a little bit. He's got to put that aside. He's got to get the respect back because the, the way he gained everybody's respect is because he didn't trash talk and he beat everybody up that trash talked. And that's how he became a fan favorite. Now he's trash talking a lot and he's not fighting as much. So now the fans kind of hate him, which is, and he's of course hanging out with Jake Paul, but I think he has to go back to what got him here. He needs to like fight these contenders, do what he does. Like, and as for dude, for Usman, Right, he's, he can just keep coasting, man. I mean, he, I don't, I don't. The, the, these guys are less and less of threats. Like it's only a matter of time before this guy's a minus a thousand favorite. Like, like in, in every fight he's in. I don't know. I mean, he's. Just, it, you wonder whether he's gonna just clear the division out and be like the Shevchenko of the, of males, which is obviously impossible. It's so much harder to do, but 
man, we'll see. He's he's looking untouchable right now. Yeah, uh, I think I 100% agree with you. I don't think he's going to move up just because he's boys with Izzy. And then yeah, he can't really good. move down just because it's a big weight cut down to 55, 155. I was thinking, though. He stepped on the scale at 170. I mean, he's a, he's a big dude. He's big. But, like, when he weighs in at 170, it's looking easier and easier every time. Like, his eyes aren't sunken into his head. Like, like he doesn't look that dehydrated. Like, right, I don't know if he, if he, he takes a little bit off the calories for a couple months. Like, maybe he gets a 155. Like, I don't know. It sounds a little crazy, but we'll have to see. He's got virtually no legs, so that's – I would, I would maybe possibly agree with that, but I think since Khabib's out, then now I just can't see him fighting like Poirier, Poirier or Gaethje or any of those guys. I mean, he would do bad things to those people, bro. Yeah, he, he would really hurt them. Like it would not be good. Yeah, I think Usman just like you said, coach through the division. Um, probably yeah. give Covington, Kobe Covington, another shot, Ugh. and then I, he, I think he deserves another shot. Um, yeah, he probably does. And then I think Masvidal has to go back, like you said, just go back and pile up some wins because his last one was two and a half years ago against Nate Diaz. So he hasn't – and Nate yeah. Diaz isn't even, like, fighting right now currently. I mean, he's supposed to. I think he's, yeah, he's supposed to. He's going to get hurt really bad against Leon Edwards. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not looking forward to that. He's going to get really beat up. So, yeah, he just goes back, fights mid-level guys, gets his rankings back, and – yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I think also overall, I think you should also also focus more on like wrestling, and grappling. Yeah. Because yeah, he's lucky. Usman only went for two takedowns in the second yeah. fight and just didn't. Yeah, ragdoll him. Yeah, I mean it's crazy. All right. I mean, I want, he, yeah. no, you got it, Luther. I mean, like he still could be the second best alive, but dude, the second best is still levels below. Oh, Kamaru, I guess. He's still seconds. He's still levels below Usman. I mean, the skills are still there. It's not like he has that much to, like, fine-tune, really. But, dude, he's just got to get back in there. He's got to get the confidence back. He's got to fight more guys. Yeah. All right. So, I want to – in terms of this card overall, there is a thing. Reading our boy Jed, uh, you know, he was talking about this as potentially the fourth best card in all of USC. The three he put ahead – he put UFC 189, McGregor's first win. Oh. U- UFC 217, which has uh, George St. Pierre winning. There was a Dillashaw comeback, and then Rose beats a girl. Rose beats a girl that has eight consonants and two and a half vowels in her name. Joanna, and then just like a straight, just like someone. Yeah, don't even travel. I'm I'm telling you guys, I'm looking at this. It's straight up eight consonants, two and a half vowels. Yeah, we're bro. moving right, we're moving right along. You gotta ask Marcel Dunn. You gotta ask like someone Polish to pronounce yeah. that name. Otherwise, do not try. Just I'm call not, it Jay. I'm not. And then UFC 236 is the last one that he put above it. He said Poirier versus Holloway. There's Israel Adesanya who follows Brawler Bible. Um uh, and they said like those were two top ten fights. But he said that like, this is potentially the fourth best UFC card. Uh, in history, where do you guys stand on that? Because that's a bold statement, man. I mean, dude, in the in, in terms of action, it's up there. But in terms of like the magnet, like the magnitude of this, like coming, like opening the doors after a global pandemic, like bro, people were in the seats for the earliest fights, man. 
Like these people needed this action as crazy as it was to have people in attendance already. Like, I don't know. It's just like so historic, like top to bottom. The card was so good. And like these other cards, like, yeah, the main cards were sick. The, the moments were sick. Connor won his first belt, like the three titles at 217. And of course, like the two fights of the year at 236. But like, dude, this was a crazy, someone, someone who's never getting finished, getting finished. Two people who've never gotten finished, getting finished. One of the craziest upsets I've seen, probably the upset of the year. Uh, Valentina just doing her thing. Not much excitement there. She's just, she's just too good that crazy leg break even and then like the whole the whole card before like I I feel like you could put this in the one slot but dude it absolutely deserves top five the one he was forgetting is um UFC 205 the first card in the history the first card in New York ever um New York had New York was like a banned MMA for a while MMA was legal all the fights that happened in either New Jersey or whatnot and Dude, these guys worked really hard to get MMA in New York, and they, they started off with Conor McGregor, and that's where he won the two belts. I got a poster in my room of it. I didn't get to go to it, obviously. Mm-hmm. It was it was a couple years ago, but dude, that, that was a historic one. But as for 261, it's in the top five for sure. Yeah. And now – yeah, no, yeah, Andrew, you got it. No, you got it because I'm talking about something else, so you got it. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It could definitely be in the top five just because of like the three title fights, the two leg breaks, and then the the first one after the pan, the first one open to fans and stuff like that. But I just don't think it'll be remembered in like 10 or 15 years just because Kamara Usman, yeah, he just another another win on his uh, fair, resume. Fair Nothing enough. too special. Um, like you said before, Valentina, just another another win on the resume. Nothing too special. And then yeah, Wiley Zhang and Rosnami Yunus. I guess that that's a special fight. But other than that, I would definitely put it in top ten. But I don't know top top five. Yeah, I, yeah. I guess to Andrew's point, like a lot of great moments, a lot of like crazy stuff. We're like, holy shit! But like, maybe not the standout, like defined, you know, yeah. card defining win that you sometimes look for. And two seventeen, that was Rosnami Yunus. I think she was like like plus five hundred or something. Mm. The girl with the consonants and vowels, like, mm. <laughs> I looked yeah. at that name and I went, "All right, like we're not saying this on the pod." Okay, just moving no, on. No. <laughs> uh, yeah. and and then finally, I want to conclude this pod by looking ahead to UFC 262. Now, I think Aiden, you're gonna like this, right? This fight, Oliveira versus Chandler, announced right after Hab- Khabib retired, right? So, um, I heard that they made yeah. that that. Oh, that fight between them, so that it could try to bring Khabib back because he has not fought either of them, Ooh. and both of them have not dominated their last their last fight. So I think that's the yeah. take that they made. I feel like that's the best attempt to do it, but dude, I think Khabib, I, I think Khabib is the face of honesty. He looked his mother in the eyes and said he would not fight again. I don't think he would. I I just don't think he's fighting again. But yeah, I do. I do love this fight on paper. Uh, Charles Oliveira is like one of my favorite fighters on the planet. He like really grew up on the job. I think he came to the UFC at 20 years old. He's just got like this freakish jujitsu. He can just, he can just, he has this knack for putting himself in better positions and just strangling these people. It's insane. And he's turned out so good. And then he's fighting Michael Chandler, who I'm not the biggest fan of, but he follows my Instagram, which is like a weird thing I got to deal with. So <laughs> I'm kind of like hedging my bets a little bit there. Like if Michael Chandler wins, I got, I got a UFC champion following me, but then if, 
Charles Oliveira wins. Like, well, that's my guy. So I'm pumped. And then we got Nick Diaz coming back, co-main event. Everybody tunes in when Nick Diaz is around. That dude's, he's got that star power, and he's taking on my guy, Leon Edwards, who's a, who's a bona fide problem. He's going to – I think he's going to get his way in that fight. And, yeah, it's a, it's a good card. And Shane Burgos, too. Got to show love to Shane Burgos, the New York guy. Tiger Showman's guy. He's fighting on that card, too. Uh, yeah, so why don't you go first, Andrew? I'm I'm kind of a fan of Chandler now. I didn't know what to think of him before his first UFC fight, but just after watching him dominate, uh, what's his face? Uh, the yeah, Dan Hooker. Um, I'm a, I'm a, I'm hopping on the hype train early now. Hopefully, I mean, like his skills are undeniable. I, he's just so preachy and corny, dude. Just I like who's been known as a wrestler and then comes out with all this. Power surprising everyone. I just I can't see him losing. Yeah, I mean his skills are fantastic, but dude, I can't listen to everything he says. Is like a, it's like an Instagram caption. Like I can't, I can't do it. it. So I I want to read you guys two quotes to kind of get your reaction. So the first one, it's not from Michael Chandler, but it's in support of him, and it's from a guy he trained with, Ben Askren. Uh, I'm sure you knew the guy that lost Jake. Oh my goodness. I got to say, I used to be a Jake Pauler, so I've been on the Jake Paul hype train since he began. I think he's knocking Robinson out cold. Sorry? I think it's a good place to end the podcast right there. Okay. Cut it off. Well, Well, I'm going to read Askren's quote. He says, I'm cheering for Chandler. Man, I would say I I didn't even think all that highly of Charles Oliveira, and I watched him kind of kick Kevin Lee's butt. And then he kicked Tony Ferguson's butt. I was really impressed. But I think he's going to struggle with Chandler because Chandler obviously has strong wrestling and hits really hard. And now this wasn't a direct reply, but it kind of serves as a reply. This is a quote from Oliveira. Uh, and, you know, he's talking about Chandler and he's like, he's like, all he has is a heavy hand, a heavy punch. I'm complete on my feet and complete on the ground. The only thing he has better than me is wrestling, but I'll, I'll use my jujitsu if he tries to wrestle me. So it makes no difference to me. How do we think? I think like that's like really interesting to me. And how do we think this is shaping up? What's that? Uh, yeah, I mean, a good rule of thumb is a good rule of thumb is like whenever Ben Askren speaks, you just assume the opposite is going to happen. <laughs> like whatever he says, like, you can just assume he's wrong. Um, yeah, Oliveira, that's an accurate assessment on his on his part. Uh, Chandler's got the heavy hands, uh, really good wrestling, but Oliveira is like you just like extend these he, i said it earlier he extends these like screens he has a knack for like putting himself in a better video and like he's this is chandler's second ufc fight bro Oliveira has had like 30 or something crazy he has like the most performance bonuses of all time like he literally grew up on the job he was 20 when he came in i think he's 34 now Dude, like he's he's got the experience. Like we don't know with Chandler. We know this Chandler has the skills, but we haven't seen him fight the top guys, bro. Charles Oliveira has fought the top guys of like three generations of MMA. You know what I mean? Like the top guys of the 2010s, the top guys of the 15s, and now he's fighting the top guys now. Like, God, he's a problem. It's it, it, the the fight is just it's a perfect fight. Yeah, I just got one quote um, from Conor McGregor: position position. Beats power, timing beats speed. So that's that's all I'm gonna say right there. That is quite the quote. <laughs> but I do still think Chandler's gonna win. We have to say. 
We might have to break. We might have to get on a pod before that one, dude. Dude, that bet honestly, that might be an option. I'm just hedging my bets in case we don't. I wanted to make sure we had the experts' uh, opinions on it. So uh, I think we're reaching like almost like the hour and ten minute mark here. So I feel like that's a perfect time yeah, to kind of wrap this up. This is the most complete UFC pod we've ever done. Good, really. Uh, and it was really we dove in. It was really good insights from from Andrew and Aiden. And uh, as always, I have to plug at Brawler Bible on Instagram. Man, he just reached twenty point nine k followers. He's getting like five more than five thousand a month now. It's crazy. And like yep. he said, like he's got a bunch of MMA guys following him one of the guys i mentioned in one of the best cards of all time israel adesanya follows him right like he's got yeah he's got some some crazy followers he's even got some uh some some fans in the chat that are or in his dms they're they're causing causing trouble (laughs) we got some problematic gentlemen in my dms that's that it's it's really not it's really not good the the I'm telling you, if you ever want me to show you, I, I will show you. I get the darndest messages you will ever see. He, he, that guy, he took a oh, he took a, he took a page from the book of insert baseball coach here uh, in terms of like types oh, of really? slurs to use. <laughs> I can't say, can't say the name just no, no, yet, no, but um, but yeah, a- Aiden knows. Aiden knows. Yeah, dude, I do. He's picking up. I'm picking up, man. <laughs> True. Yeah, I, I get some. I get some good messages. I've had some messages from some fighters and I get some bad ones with some really like some really hateful, uh, you know, Diction. like character judgments without yeah. a lot of basis. Like it's crazy that my uh, opinions on a sport can, you know, bring you to such a conclusion, but. That's, that's- my, I get, and this is like, this is how I'm going to end the pod right now. My advice to anyone that wants to, you know, send some hate messages in Aiden's DMs. That's cool. You can totally do it. It's hilarious. Yeah, it's entertaining. Know. If you're going to use a slur, like don't censor it because it just takes away from it. Like just go all in. If you're using the slur, go all in, man. Come on. That's I like like when, yeah, when yeah. we yeah. use the F word in this pod. Uh, Roy said it one time. We didn't censor it. We let that we want it to be strong. So don't don't censor it. You hurt yourself. It's really tough to to act super cool and uh also censor your insults. It's like it's I don't it's know. Hilarious. It's hilarious. It's very funny. <laughs> it doesn't really work out that much. And also, like, it's tough to follow someone and, like, have post notifications on and also just be, like, such a hater, man. Yeah. It's – listen, it can be called into question. But, I mean, that's that's what happens when you run, I would say, just the best MMA Instagram page ever. Probably. I'm willing to put it up there against anyone else. But, um, but yeah, please, give it a follow if you haven't already. I don't know why you wouldn't. Aid Lubin's the best. Uh, so I'd like to conclude by just saying, you know, thank you to Aiden and Andrew for coming on. This is a thing long in the works and I'm glad we were able to get this to happen. So yeah, thank you guys for coming on. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad we were here. I'm glad Andrew pulled up. Dude, Once Andrew. One of my friends, like, like, you know, the guys like, uh, Jack and Richard, none of those guys like the UFC mm-hmm. or follow the UFC. So it's nice to talk to people about it. That's what I'm saying. Every MMA fan just wants to talk about MMA. You got to band together. This, this is this is important. At school, sometimes you can know, like, the casual. Oh, I don't usually like saying that with casuals, but that don't – yeah, I just see, like, one highlight or whatever, but – Well, we yeah. had a decent turnout for this last card. I was in math. We, I, was, I was in homeroom. This kid oh, was yeah, like, yeah. Every, like, like, class, like, dude, like, you guys were watching MMA it. all year and not talking about it. Like, that's <laughs> – do they, they they said they watched it all year? 
Or is it just like the hot? I'm just wondering, like, bro, if you didn't talk to me about it and you've been watching for some time, like, that's it's a problem. We got to have a chat. Called into question. Yeah. Uh, and then just a final message to Christian Rosowitz. Dude, what are you doing? What are you doing? What's man? going on, man? Tommaso Rares, too. No, I'll Doesn't give Tommaso matter. a break. Tommaso nope. does a lot. Tommaso does a lot. Okay. I'm I'm giving him a break. You, you can do whatever you want. You can ever you can say whatever you want to Tommaso right here right now. I'm giving him a break. No, Tommaso's a G. I'll give it to him. Yeah, he's he's old reliable. Honestly, he uh, he's like the go-to guy. Jordan's secret stuff, dude. Tommaso Harris. Follow uh College Sports Digest, and I guess follow their new Stephen Deserve. You does nothing for the podcast. Just just doesn't show up to them. Uh, it's like borderline at this point, but uh, also I yeah. noticed that Peter and Jack are in your bio. I haven't seen them on the path. Peter podcast. pulled up to a football one. He was really good in it, actually. He oh, made dude. me he made me laugh. Peter's hilarious. Jack's been slack. Jack slacks. Bennick slacks slacks hard, but it's good. I need him badly, dude. He showed up at a basketball one. He was like giving like grade A insight. I was like, this is great. Problem is, you don't talk enough basketball, but uh, we're my right. favorite guest has to be Yakabuchi, man. Dude, Yakabuch like brings it. He's oh, like God. a he's like a volleyball net of just laughing at jokes. You Dude, it's such a good ego boost. Like you say anything, you get Yakabuch to laugh. And then honestly, just he he's just spang out funny lines like left and right with the with the Brooklyn accent. It's wit. beautiful. He's got a barman bartender's wit, dog. Dude, he's on another level. Like he's yeah. right up there. I put him up at the Lubin for like funniest kid in Xavier, like neck and neck. Oh, dude! If we could make a podcast about who that really is, shortlist starts and it doesn't. I mean, it, you gotta, you gotta have, um, you gotta have Match Melzer on there, dude. That's that's your opinion, and you can have that opinion. Uh, some people don't share that opinion. Yeah, uh, that's so. some people right, might not do be a podcast now. like that. Who's the funniest kid in the class? Well. Yeah, pro- I mean, listen, we could once we graduate, I feel like, or maybe like leading up to graduation, we could do a bunch of that stuff. We gotta get some private podcasts. But considering that we're still recording, I am gonna finally do a sign off and say, let's call it a night, boys. Thank you very much. Listen with my mind.